Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I, I was thinking about whether I should keep it that gray or not, but you know, I think it was just, good on I, you. I have to accept the time. <laughs> all, right, all, right. all right, I'll start recording. Um, I think they told me 15 minutes. Was that right? I don't want to keep you longer than you have or anything. Yeah, that's okay, man. I'm 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 doing what Emily tells me to do. All right. Pretty much. <laughs> if you get sick of us before they can, you can just hang up. You're like, I don't know. No, no, don't worry. All right. Uh, welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. I'm Treacherous Trista. We're go- joined by Guy Moshe, writer and director of LX2048, which comes out this week on video on demand and, and virtual cinemas. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. A man of very cool, cool hair is what we were talking about uh, before we went live. <laughs> At least something, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I try. <laughs> Could you give people an idea of what 2048 is about if they uh, haven't have to watch a trailer or anything yet? Um, so the film is set in the near future um, where the sun has gotten so uh, strong and toxic that people can't get out of their, their homes Um during daytime um since we're in the kind of near future side by side with it virtual reality is kind of taking over uh our digital existence to to the degree that almost everything that we do from work to school to all that stuff is done within the virtual realm and life is becoming increasingly isolated and if you if you're going to get out of the house or or socialize that supposed to happen in nighttime um, and on that backdrop, we follow uh, kind of a rare breed in, in, in the lead character, Adam Baird, who for some reason um, feels like he has to hold on to kind of the, the normal existence as we know it, which is to kind of live by day and try and have a little bit of a kind of physical existence in this kind of increasingly isolated world. It's really and the a film takes you yeah. know the beginning of, the beginning of the film obviously finds out that uh, there's like a inciting event that then leads into um, a pretty big domino effect I think. I'd say it's really interesting watching it because uh, it's coming out at this point in time and I assume you wrote it before yeah. you know the lockdown and COVID. I wrote it in 2016, the first draft, so I had no no business or idea that. I'd be talking to you when when my own kids are studying on Zoom and uh, California is, uh, you know, recording the hottest weekends ever and having uh, a problem, air index quality to get out of the house and all that stuff. It's pretty scary, to be honest. You know? Yeah, it's really weird. You know, I never an- anticipated that to happen so quickly. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is very topical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny because I, I can I can almost um, I I finished the film completely, I should say, in March, in a sense that I was we, you know you still do the cleanup of like you know the final delivery elements and stuff like that. So it was just starting, um, and in a way, from the moment we kind of you know started kind of showing the film to buyers and you know we were going to do a festival run but there's no festival run to do anymore and all that kind of stuff like it's not in the not in the traditional sense um and we felt the film was getting increasingly topical so we we just wanted to 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 get it out there but at the same time it's like i i remember what i was thinking when i was writing it in the way that it was supposed to be perceived by the the world that we knew until the end of 2019 
as more of this kind of satirical, comical warning sign to where we might be headed. Mm-hmm. And now it's taken a whole different thing, which is like, this is where we are. You know? Yeah, it's really so, definitely an interesting turn it, of events. I think even the idea of the main character t- is a little different because in your, in your story, you know, he's wanting to, to, uh, to keep like humanity. And then uh, some people today who, who are going against the, you know, we don't want the, cause he even got the pill. It's like, well, and nowadays there's people like, well, if there is a, uh, a vaccine, I don't want it, and I'm going to go against you the government. Ima- you wear know what I or- heard? I, I, have, I have a friend uh, who, who works in the business side of the pharmaceutical companies and stuff, and he had told me that one of the things that is happening right now is that they're trying, I swear to God, they're trying to develop a pill to, so that people will have to take a pill every day to not get corona as opposed to like taking the vaccine mm-hmm. because of course that's more much more financially lucrative so instead of taking your vitamin d you'll take a pill of that. and i was like this is just too much for me to like, <laughs> take in but yeah i mean I, I mean the one thing i do think about is that in a world like this and i and i again i think that that's happening as well which i should have mentioned but i really thought that if you keep the people locked in uh for, to, to such a, uh, an obscene amount of time it's going to have a collective mental effect on the population. And, and, and the only way to kind of calm this down is to make sure everybody is taking like some sort of a chill pill. I mean, that's part of the, 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 the joke in the film. But already, I think a lot of the very well justified and, and important kind of social protests that we're seeing is I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that it kind of boiled over in this time as well. It's like a, it's like people are already on the edge and they have enough time to think about things, which usually we don't because we go through our daily lives in a, in this kind of hamster, you know, like a, on a wheel type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So when, uh, was there anything like uh, any other news story or just something that did inspire when you started to write it? No, believe it or not, this all started from a, completely started from the human aspect of it. So what was going on is like, I think in 2015, um, you know, when you're married and you, you have kids and all that stuff, a lot of your social circle uh, is, is, is starting to increasingly be comprised from, you know, with, with other people that are married and have kids and a lot of like, you know, this kind of families around you. And it was one year where it was like the season of divorce or something. Like everybody around us, like, had a crisis or was, were, were going through like a, a bad separation or whatever. And in that ordeal, we had, you know, different friends, you know, I, sometimes it was the male, sometimes it was the female, but like, like we, we would get a little bit of impressions of what happened. And while every story was different and every person is different and all that, I could see this common thread in all of those kind of relationships going, uh, uh, kind of going awry, which was, it felt like adults were reaching a place in their life where they were reflecting um, on what they were able to accomplish um, and having this kind of collective sense that they, they didn't really get to fulfill their promise or whatever they thought they were going to be at that age or that place in life. And I couldn't help but see that that was one common thread. And the other common thread was that it had something to do with this technological revolution that we're, 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 we're going through. Whereas by virtue of kind of doing all these social networks and all this sort of like stuff that we're living 
vicariously right now, we're actually increasingly isolating ourselves from, uh, from normal human interaction. And all of a sudden, the family structure is just not enough anymore. You know, your wife is not enough. Your husband is not enough. Like there's, so, there's such a wealth of uh, possibilities to meet other people online, like, like endlessly almost. And, um, and these two things connected with me, like this idea that, that the, the, the part of the technological revolution is also the, the kind of, is threatening the very uh, foundation of human existence, which is the family structure, if that makes any sense. And I think that's was the genesis of the entire idea. Well, kind of interesting what you just said there, too, in relation to the movie is because I think like in, on social media, we see like a uh, person, people's like kind of their perfect portrayal of themselves. And exactly. so we think they're better exactly. than what they are. And it's kind of what exactly own idea is. I still like but some it, parts it, of this person. It, it, Let's it, make it, a little better version. Exactly. But if you look at the, at the film, I mean, so I think every one of us has four different uh, images of ourselves. Right. So there's. The person we truly are, most of us will never be able to even acknowledge or understand who that person is. Then there is the person that we want to be or think that we should be. And that that's the person, we, for the most part, we're trying to project to the outside world. Then there is the person that other people see us to be. Uh, in Adam's case, it's mostly his wife and, you know, because there's not so many people around him. And finally, there is the, the potential of the best version of ourselves that we could be, that again, most, most likely we will never attain that, none of us, right? But these are four different kind of stations of the person that we are. And, and in, if you look at the film, Adam actually goes through each and every one of those stations in his journey to kind of understanding what it means to be human. So it's exactly the way you just talked about it. It's the way that the film was conceived. Interesting. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? I am uh, wondering about your casting process because I was so impressed with your actors. Oh, thank you so much. So, so it was kind of an interesting uh, thing. So what happened was I, I was talking to James about a bigger film before we, uh, we set out to do this one. And that other film almost, uh, you, you know, was almost in the process of, of, of getting started when it ended up being delayed. And, in the process, I got to know, so I knew James, the actor from the work. I liked him a lot in that work that he's done previously. Um, I think he's one of the most versatile actors out there. And he's one of those actors, you know, actors, actor, where you keep seeing him in, in completely different roles, always doing solid work in, 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 in some huge movies and small movies and, and what have you. As I got to know him better as a human being, because we were doing Skype meetings and all that kind of stuff, that film got delayed. And then I had an opportunity to do this film, and I couldn't escape this feeling that he's just a perfect person to play this character. Because I, I, I felt like James, as a as a person, um, has a lot of my uh, the, the similar kind of observations about the, I think the human uh, experience. It was just a gut feeling that he would relate to a lot of what's happening in the film, not necessarily the character himself, the way he is or whatever, but rather the, what the character is fighting for through, through this entire movie. Um, and, and I wanted somebody that I felt even in real life could, could identify with that kind of like a, um, strong feeling, like he has to hold on to the, to the physical experience. So that was, that was the story with James. Um, 
Anna also I've known from before. And again, I think she's a, she, she has this amazing ability to, to open herself up and to show uh, tons of vulnerability without really um, being melodramatic or, 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 you know, overly dramatic about it. And I think it's, it's a, I think she's a very powerful actor and I, I, have, I haven't seen her yet getting the, the, um, the, the, uh, the opportunity to do something like this, you know, especially because she's kind of a, such a beautiful woman. So most likely she would be cast in a different role always. Um, and Delroy was literally the first choice that I, that I, I mean, that's how I, I wanted to have kind of the smartest man alive also be a, a, a kind of very virile and, 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 and a physically imposing man. And he's the first actor I thought about. It was one of those situations where you say, I wish I could cast this guy and you send him the script and he says like, yeah, I like it. I'm going to do it. You know, so it's a, a, a nice kind of, um, I like how it all came together. Let's just put it that way. A lot of the actors were the people that I thought that I wanted to cast in this uh, film. And one of the benefits of an independent movie sometimes is that you, you get to cast the right actors for the roles because um, you're not so financially constrained by other uh, influences, so to speak. I personally always uh, like any type of artificial intelligence story. I think in my opinion, the first one is Pinocchio, but the, uh, uh, and so there's a lot of questions when you when you get into that and cloning is part of that. You know, is mm -hmm. it life? And then even part of it um, is it cheating if someone is uh, you know having sex with a with an artificial um, either robot yeah. or, or, or anything or even someone online or something. And so you know you it's because I think I mean uh, you can go beyond that right because because is it cheating to think about it? I mean like like if the thought is there is is is, is it already in your mind, then, then, then and I think that was in the heart of this question that was so important in the film, because, you know, this is the in-between, right? It's something that he's thinking about, but it's not a real person. Well, you know, if that's considered cheating, so the, then, then is it cheating to just think about it, to fantasize about somebody else? Like, because the thought has already occurred, the next thing is just the physical act of it, so what does it matter, right? Mm -hmm. And of course it does matter. Of course, yeah. You know, uh, Tristan, do you have one more question? I sure do, yeah. So I was impressed with the music in the film, and um, I noticed one of the musicians has your same last name. Is that a relative? Yeah, that's my brother. That is my brother. Yeah, it was a fun experience. I mean, it was also the score was very, very interesting. So I was lucky to... Um, I started by talking to my uh, to my uh, uh, brother who has more of a kind of uh, he's a guitar player and has more of kind of a guitar heavy background and he brought Ian who is more on the electronic side of things and then I felt that we needed also a more kind of a, a classical composer sensibility and that's when Sarah joined in and Sarah uh, you know, was in the end very instrumental in kind of taking it, all this work and kind of giving it cohesion. I was very, very involved in the process. It was one of my favorite things to do is to work on the music in films. And that was like a beautiful experience, you know, to work with my, my own brother and like to get to play in that world as well with all of them. Very cool. So LX 2048 uh, comes out this week, the 25th. Uh, VOD, so I'm sure it's on all the different uh, platforms and uh, virtual cinema. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is very fitting for the movie, I guess. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's for every movie right now, so I, I don't feel that special with it. <laughs> People ask me, where can we see the film? Like, where you can see any movie right now. <laughs> right. That's kind of why I added, yeah, where are all the platforms? Because they're, they're all the usual exactly. platforms. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, and look forward to talking to you about the next one. Thank all you right. so much. Thanks. Thank you. Day. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Thanks. You too. You too. Bye. I guess I'll see you in a little bit. (laughs) Oh, hi. My name is Todd Farmer, and I put Nicolas Cage in space, and welcome to my tool shed. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about voting. And I know you're going to vote because you're smart, and because you love our country, and you love our planet, and you love our children in the future, and you know that there is an idiot in charge. So I need you to vote, and I know you will vote, but if you could do what I'm going to do and reach out to a couple of others, because there are a lot of people who didn't vote in the last election. There are also a lot of people who voted for an idiot in the last election, and they know it. They've seen it. Four years, the smart ones on that side know. So I've reached out to a bunch of people I went to college with. I went to a small Christian college, grew up in a small town in Kentucky. Slowly and privately, I'm reaching out to some of them to talk to them about it, and you know what? It's worked. A lot of people who voted for Trump are going to vote for Biden this time. And a bunch of people who didn't vote last time will vote this time. So do what you can, because we got this, and we have to, because he's already out there saying if he loses, it's because we cheated. And we're not going to cheat. We're going to vote. So thanks for listening, and uh, we're going to win this thing.